You see, the theatre today is full of ruthless women. Art reflects life. That was in a speed test. But it's true, women today are free. For the first time, we're man's equal. We can go out into the world and make a life for ourselves. And I fully intend to. So do I. Hello, you're listening to Cellcast. We don't know what we're doing, we're just talking about films. That was Julie Andrews and Mary Tyler Moore talking about, in their way, feminism in the 1967 musical Thoroughly Modern Millie. This week, we're reviewing a film set three years after that was released. It's called Misbehaviour. I'm Lawrence. And I'm Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a nice conditioning course for Vietnam. I want to tell you, anybody, anybody that would try to break up an affair as wonderful as this, with these kind of proceedings and with these wonderful people and wonderful girls from the entire world, have got to be on some kind of dope, ladies and gentlemen, believe me. So this week we went to see Misbehaviour. Sam, you're going to tell us what it's all about. Yeah, so Misbehaviour follows the events leading up to and including the Miss World beauty pageant of 1970. It follows Sally Alexander, played by Kira Knightley. Um, We also follow Bob Hope, played by Greg Kinnear, who goes on to present the pageant and the Miss World entrance, including uh, Goo Goo and Butter Raw as Miss Granada. Or as I've summarised in a haiku, there she is, Miss World. Sexist, fun, necessary... It's just the first one. And now we're going to listen to a clip. This competition makes us compete with each other and makes the world narrower for all of us in the end. Why should any woman have to earn her place in the world by looking a particular way? You don't. He doesn't. Why should we? So... Quick bit of context. Basically, this film is released in three weeks' time, roughly, around the country. We went to see this at Clapham Picture House as a surprise film, which is basically as a, at reduced price, you go and see a film that hasn't been released yet, and what, and, and you don't know what film you're going to go and see. So what we thought is, we'll go and see the film, review it straight after, but we had a lot of guesses of what the film was, we weren't expecting it to be misbehaviour. Yeah, it definitely was a surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we were expecting something else. But um, and I think good in a way because I've only seen one trailer for this. Yeah, me too. Um, I had no idea when it was coming out. So yeah, we did definitely go in sort of unprepared, which is always a good way to go into a movie. And I probably wasn't going to go and see it if I, it, you know, I probably wouldn't have gone and seen it without the, it being a surprise film. I think it's always good to. Get out of your comfort zone. The the opening of the film, which basically is Bob Hope in Vietnam presenting as part of like a USO show, the previous Miss World, is just by today's is very shocking. And like what like he kind of brings her out and shows her off and, and kind of gets all the soldiers to kind of ogle her. Completely objectify her. Completely yeah. objectify her. And it's just, it is just a sign of the times that a sequence like that can now just be really shocking. Like, it's just, and it is just another world. Like, the, the whole way that they present the 1970s and the experience that women have 
being in the 1970s and being surrounded by stuff like Miss World is really shocking and horrible. It, it's not like a kind of kitchen sink nasty, but it kind of puts Miss World in the context of the 1970s and what women had to put up with and still to an extent do have to put up with the leering, the objectifying, the 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 kind of when you understand how that affects women every day, just not being respected academically at all, like Sally, played by Kira Knightley, is in the film, when it filters into their kind of like everyday lives of just not being listened to and constantly having to downgrade whoever they are, wherever they are, they they're always at a disadvantage, always got like one or two arms tied behind their back. I, I think it was a really, I think it did illuminate a lot of the reasons why we needed something like the women's liberation movement, and that's quite successful. Yeah, just on the bit about the 1970s, I think there's a good line in it where, um, so I think Risa Fans and Kitty Hawes pay Eric and Julia Morley, who are in charge of running the Miss World beauty pageant. And I think there's a line in it where Keely Hawes, who's slightly more progressive than her husband, says, oh, it's uh, the 1970s now, not the 1950s. And I think that was like <laughs> quite a nice touch, really, because obviously now we think of the 1970s as this you know, really sort of dark and sexist, misogynist time. But actually, you know, even then, they were like, well, look how far like women have come within that age. And I, I just sort of thought that was quite a nice, a good point to make on, uh, and the sign of the time is really... And it brings it up to today, because right now we're going to be looking back at the 1970s and thinking what a degrading time it was without recognising still a lot of stuff that's still going on today. It's not something we've got right yet. And I think it uses that set piece of using women who grew up, you know, in the um, the earlier part of the 20th century, like uh, Sally Alexander's mum. Because um, Sally Alexander's mum is quite prominent throughout the film. She's there to look after her daughter and she's sort of there to, to support her in sort of many ways. But they have this really furious argument about two-thirds of the way through the film. And it's basically Sally Alexander is going out and protesting and being part of the women liberations movement. Attacks her mum in a sort of a heated confrontation about, you know, saying, oh, you know, I aspire to be like the, like the dad, really, because he was going off having adventures and... There was the idea that, you know, women were very much, like, meant to be homemakers. And it was yeah. there, she makes the point about being being a mum. She was there to bring up children. And um, and that was obviously, some, like, a big part of her life. So I like that bit of the film, that, that moment where you, you got the perspective from a woman as well that in that time that just was also behind the times of being brought up in a time where the kind of things that the younger generation were now fighting for were completely alien to her she you know she had lived her life she'd spent her life in this role and she was reluctant to go against it even though they were they were fighting for the opportunities of her gender even though they were sticking up you know they were trying to stop some of the bad stuff that had happened to her happening again she was reluctant and i like that because it showed the kind of the conflict within the group that you're fighting for that it's not always that no, it, it, it's not always going to be a case of us versus them there's lots of there's lots of like gray areas and not everyone that's on your side is actually going to agree with you 
I guess we should sort of talk about the events and how the film flows in a way because Sally Alexander holds a sort of a women's meeting and there I think there's um, a speaker that talks about the you know women's oppression and the basic rights that women don't have in the 1970s and there Sally Alexander meets Joe Robinson played by Jesse Buckley and they sort of like form a pact and Jesse Buckley sort of lives this kind of hippie existence in a in a commune with uh, you know other sort of a growing feminist movement yeah Sally Alexander goes along and this is where they get the idea to hold a protest for the 1970 Miss World beauty pageant I like that as well because that's again that's showing the way that someone else lived so Joe's character saw Sally as as not going far enough and Sally kind of saw her mum as as not going anywhere at all and it shows all the different kinds of women there were in this movement and the, and, and again there's a diversity and a, and a conflict within a movement there's that great line where um joe says to sally even in a prison you're the most bourgeois person i've ever met <laughs> and i think that's yeah that's again that's like a lovely you can you can understand they're on like they're on the same side but they they differ on on you know certain principles yeah the most interesting part of the film to me, was the argument that they started to have about uh, women of ethnic minorities, that these beauty pageants could actually be a way of normalising the idea that they could be beautiful, that they could be more than just an underclass and actually go on to be just as beautiful as the as the white girls. But then there's that debate that, yeah, but you're still being objectified, so it hurts everyone in the in the long run and and like they do go into i think this clip is in the trailer a little bit but i I found that interesting when they started to kind of have that debate yeah and i mean i think i don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that miss granada ends up winning the contest who who, and played by um gugu and barter raw um mainly because it's on the poster that she's miss world so um i don't (laughs) think it's yeah giving too much away i think it's good because what they could have done in sort of one version of the film is to make the Miss World contestants seem, you know, silly, unintelligent, and sort of being part of the problem. But actually, the the whole way through the film, they, they continue to make the point that it's actually not the uh, contestants, it's not the, the people who are entering Miss World that they're after, it's the patriarchy that's the, the true enemy. And actually, I think that, that gives a really good balance to the film overall. Yeah. These are the nice things I'd say about the film, but I think, broadly speaking, as as much as I think it did make me think, and it is an important issue, I think that it's essentially a TV movie. There's no flair to it. There's no nuance, which doesn't mean necessarily that it's not complicated and it's got its own it's got its own great moments. But there's a flatness and a woodenness to films like this, and there's there's been there's quite a few of them where something gets made about an important historical event by BBC films and it's given quite a glossy overcoat and a, a quite a simple structure. You know, I, I think that it's not as bad as other films that flatly tell uh, true stories like, uh, for example, Official Secrets from last year, which also had Kira Knightley in, which was a really, really flat and beige telling of a true story it's it's not as bad as that ultimately this is a film that's good for a discussion group maybe a history class but it's not really something i could recommend to anyone that's like really interested in film i mean it's not it's i I, I think it's like i say it doesn't never it never really elevates itself above 
more something more than a kind of TV movie status. Yeah, I I don't think I think I liked it better than you did, but um, and I don't think it has the soul or the momentum of films like Made in Dagenham and Pride, which I went out of feeling a little bit more inspired when watching both those films in previous years. But I still think it's got a lot going for it. I would say that um, I do wonder about the inclusion of Bob Hope in it. I think it's a good debate to be had, really, because I actually think that's the weakest part of the film. I mean, Greg Kinnear plays Bob Hope. I mean, I think it's just a bit of a impression in the end. I found the fake nose quite distracting. Yeah. And normally, normally I can see past fake noses, but I did at certain points find the fake nose a little bit too distracting especially when I saw pictures of Bob Hope afterwards and I thought wow this just doesn't look yeah that's never a good decision to include <laughs> the the real life character afterwards and they don't look anything alike no. um, I, I mean he captured the swagger of him mm. and of like a kind of very old fashioned comedian American comedian from that period but a pig <laughs> a pig but he didn't he didn't like yeah, it, it was a little bit distracting. Though I would have almost liked to see a bit more of Bob Hope and get like an, a deeper understanding of who he was. Though it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really his story. And I, I think for what this story was, I wouldn't have wanted to have too much more Bob Hope. But I kind of would have liked to have understood him a little bit more. I think they needed an antagonist. And I think they decided yeah. on Bob Hope because... Yeah, I mean... Because I think he represented what they were fighting against. Yeah. I think, which is, you know, a media culture, really. Like, a pop culture idea of what a woman is. And how that filters into the rest of the world. And that's what Bob Hope represented. And yeah, I think he was... He did he did work well for that purpose. I do find it difficult with films like this, because there's... There, there's lots I liked in it, and there's there's elements I'll remember, but it's it's just not a great example of filmmaking. There is there is something in its broadness that can be a bit of a a, a boon and a benefit because it's it's not because it can tell an important story and get across important ideas, and we, and and still be really accessible. So in a way, its broadness is kind of a good thing, but I mean, I do find. So, so I, I, I do find the experience of watching something like this, like, I, I didn't really ever feel very challenged by it or really, like, enthralled. I was never bored, but I found some of the glossiness and some of the on-the-nose stuff just really off-putting. Like, even though I enjoy the... Even though I think the subject matter's really important, it's hard when something is just told in... A slightly wooden style for for me to to be that enthusiastic about it. Yeah, fundamentally, I think it's the structure for me because I think those three parts of the film they never mold together to make it very cohesive in the end. But actually, I think the like the idea of women's liberation and the oppression by the patriarchy. I think there's so many. There's not just one debate in that, and they talk about as you sort of commented upon. Yeah, and I think there are really loads great. of they they do. I think express some of the like the problems and the like the different opinions just within just within that really really well so actually like and i think fundamentally you do share the anger of the women's liberation movement um and i think so in that sense the film's a success 
but overall i think the way they've yeah the way they've like put it together probably doesn't work but i'm not sure that's a huge problem overall no i guess not i suppose the problem is is that without that challenge without that dynamism i just don't think it's going to float many people's boat i don't know many people in my immediate circle that i would could really recommend it I still think there are things appealing about it. Like, it's, a really, it's got a really good ensemble cast, like the the films I mentioned previously, like um, uh, Made in Dagenham and Pride. I mean, I actually really like the chemistry between Keira Knightley and Jesse Buckley. I mean, they're both such good actors. I mean, Jesse Buckley feels like she's one of these actresses that she could play any role from any background and would make it entertaining or engaging in some sort of way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think there is this really good chemistry like, between the two. I like Keira Knightley a bit less. I mean, I think she's, I think she's relatively solid at what she does, but I think she's a little bit wooden as well. I think she has one way of performing. I don't think this is a tough or a challenging role for her. I think she fills out the protagonist for something like this quite well, but she's not the most interesting performer to watch. But I thought she had this amazing quality of repressed anger. Like I think the way she held herself, her posture. You can see the like frustration of the character and, you know, when she's at university or, you know, when she's being talked to by her mum or you can see that inner rage in her that's sort of trying to be released. And actually when she gets to the Miss World beauty pageant and just absolutely explodes, I think that's actually quite satisfying in a way. And I think that's a good example of a performance that escalates as the film goes on. So I, I, I thought she was really great in it, actually. Actually, you've kind of convinced me. I, mean, I think actually that's quite good. I never, I, I didn't quite see it like, yeah, I didn't quite see it like that. But yeah, actually, maybe there was more of a nuance to a performance than than I than I thought when I immediately walked out of there. Yeah, so I, I I retract that and apologise <laughs> to Kira Knightley. <laughs> I would say actually the events at the the beauty pageant are are sort of it's worth it for the payoff. Sort of. I mean, yeah. Like again, I was, I was, I, I was satisfied, and yet I thought like the presence of that classical piece of classical music that's been a bit overused, like in the finale. Again, it was one of these like on the nose things. Of, like this is a dramatic moment. This is the big moment we've all been waiting for. But eh, I, I mean, again, it doesn't really, it doesn't bother me that much. I think the, you know, I, 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 don't, I think that. The way that it got across its points and the fact that I kind of went in and saw these things and was angry and then was satisfied that the resolution shows that, the, you know, broadly speaking, the film's a success. If, if maybe it's something where I take the ideas away more than the, the filmmaking. Uh, and like I say, I was never really bored, so. But... If you said that back to the filmmakers, I think they'd be quite happy with that. I don't think it's ever trying to be something too artistic. No. I think it's just part of the movement to continue to highlight the inequality of women in still in sort of 2020. Even though we've talked about Bob Hope as the main antagonist, I think obviously the patriarchy is the the one that the aim is, the film is trying to fight. Um, and yeah. yeah, and I think it will do that. Outside and, of the cinema as well. And document activism and try and promote activism and say that you can change stuff. I don't want you to think I'm some kind of brute that doesn't consider the feelings of women. I consider feeling women all the time. Forget this. Tell me what to do. 
and Misbehaviour is in cinemas from the 13th of March. So I'm going to say if you liked this, there are several kind of BBC films you can go back to. I really want to recommend Made in Dagenham, but I I can't because I haven't seen it. So I'd say that if you like this, go and watch Pride, which is the story of the LGBT movement in the 80s joining up with the miners' strikes and uh, about them having solidarity, these two movements having solidarity with one another. When you're in a battle against an enemy so much bigger, so much stronger than you, to find out you had a friend you never knew existed, well, that's the best feeling in the world. What I was told about lesbians can't be true, can they? You're all vegetarians. <laughs> They're similar in tone in that they want to tell you the story of, a, of, of British activism, and yeah, they are about completely different movements. And yeah, there's there's a kind of saccharineness to Pride that didn't that kind of turned me off a bit. But I think if you enjoyed some of the the emotions that that misbehaviour brought out in you, I think Pride is worth a look. Similar to misbehaviour, it's got an ensemble cast, lots of like great people and great laughs and. They do get across some of the subtleties and the nuances of, of of both movements, and like ultimately, the film is about how these two different groups have nothing in common except actually they're both being trodden on by the same group at the top, and they kind of learn from each other, and that's quite a nice thing. I'd say if you didn't like it, then go and watch Mad Max Fury Road, which is the biggest, loudest feminist film ever to be made. I want them back! They're my property! Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! Man Max Fury Road is the story of Max, played by Tom Hardy, a drifter in a post-apocalyptic wasteland that gets caught between a maniacal warlord ruler of the wasteland, Immortan Joe, and his rebelling lieutenant Furiosa, who's played by Charlie's Veron. Uh, she has stolen Joe's sex slaves to liberate them and herself from his cruel reign. Unlike other feminist films, it's not telling you that feminism or women's rights need to move in a certain direction, because it takes place in a world where you need to be less concerned about the choice of language in a tweet, and more concerned about a mutant raiding party filling you full of crossbow bolts for a can of tuna and your skin. But the action genre has been a place where women for a long time have been poorly represented, and this avoids many of the traps and pitfalls that past films have fallen into. Most notably, Furiosa herself is a great female protagonist, different from Max but his equal as a survivor. Immortan Joe is the ultimate representation of the patriarchy, his concubines have no personality or use for him other than making him children. He doesn't care about them or see them as human, only as literal tools to further his progeny. Furiosa is trying to free them from that. They're trying to get to a land free from the chains that men have put them in and find a world for everyone, ultimately realising that they have to build that world themselves. If you're unconvinced of this reading, along the way the wives pry the chastity belts from themselves while spray painting We Are Not Objects, and they're trying to find a female tribe called the Vulvani, who alone hold the power to create new sustainable life in the world. No one's ever accused Fury Road of being subtle, it has a man with a flamethrower electric guitar in it after all, but it's fascinating to see one of the best, biggest, most awe-inspiring action epics ever made also have a feminist subtext. 
It's also one of the best films of the decade, so you should see it for that reason alone. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on iTunes as Cellcast, soundcloud.com forward slash cell dash magazine, Facebook and Twitter as Cell Magazine, and for an archive of written stuff, go to cellmagazine.wordpress.com.